Hey everybody, if you have watched The Millennial Farmer, then you know I've got a pretty righteous Thunder Creek fuel trailer out here. Thunder Creek fuel trailers are built by farmers for American farmers. Right now, a lot of farmers are taking home fully loaded Thunder Creek trailers that are in stock near you with an average of only $1,300 down. Financing is of course subject to approval. You can check out thundercreek.com for product info, some stories from the field, and other great deals. That's thundercreek.com. <laughs> How long have you guys been doing the podcast for? Uh, year and a half. Yeah, year and a half. I was going to say really, over eh? a year for sure. Wow. But it's we're, we're inconsistent with it. Like, we don't pump them out there that much. I mean... This is what I like to do when it comes to the podcast. This is what I really want to do is just sit down and BS like this. This is bullshit, yeah. Absolutely. And if people want to listen, that's awesome. And they do. And if they don't, they don't. Yeah. No, totally. How how do you find the the time to do it? Well, Becky's on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Randy brings me beer. My kids bring us pizza. Yeah. And then Becky edits the podcast. I would like to start hiring a podcast editing out, but just one more. Finding a person to do it is just one more thing to do. And I don't know when that's going to happen. Yes. (laughs) You know what? That is, that is actually very, very well said is is like finding somebody to do it is like a whole nother thing to do. And then you have to manage that person and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Eventually that's where you have to draw the line to be able to be like, is it, is it just easier for me to do it myself? Oh, for sure easier for, for me to sure. manage that person right do you yeah. do you edit your own videos i do absolutely everything so you'd everything. have to find somebody that had like that kind of shared the brain with you and the idea right because when yeah. you take those videos you have an idea in your head what this needs to look like as a finished product you can't pass on that idea in your brain to anybody and just expect that they can do it exactly like you did i can promise you that nobody can figure out what's going on up here it is a labyrinth and that that's the genius of what you do and what for lack of a better term what creators do because it's all there from the beginning is they have an idea in their head what that finished product's going to be so i thought you were going to say lack of a better term for genius i was like yeah that's (laughs) well played there (laughs) that's not where i was going (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's this all started off is uh, a lot of the first ones that i did and I, it's it's been my best video so far is or as far as views and metrics are concerned i guess whenever i look at it or when you see what's going on is is the protesters diets one yep. uh, that one's hit the base and when i was doing them back then i like i didn't plan anything out i would just let it rip and that would just be like whatever's on your mind and that's what I was going to say. And this is the message I want to get across kind of thing or whatever. But yeah, as they got a little more lengthy and stuff, it got to the point where like, okay, I like, I, I kind of need to, cause I'd lose myself. Sometimes you'd get so passionate about something that you kind of lose yourself and that's no good either. And I, I've still done it in a few videos that I do. And I put them up anyways, because I'm just like, well, I think I kind of get my general point across, but yeah, it's a lot. And so I went for a year uploading every single Monday at 6am, I would upload a video at 6am every Monday for a year. And then I'd put the odd extra video in there, like the try like Terry one and a few other things. And there was one uh, world mental health day, suicide prevention day was going on a few other things. And I'd try and throw extra videos out to try and, you know, promote awareness for that kind of stuff. And it got to the point where there's like, there's a few times where 
it's three in the morning and you're just finishing editing your video and you hit upload and you just hope that your internet doesn't crap out and that it's uploaded for 6 a.m. Because you're doing that pesky, you know, seeding and, and harvesting thing or whatnot that gets in the way sometimes. And, uh, but I've found that it's, it's easier, you know, when you got a lot of ass time in the tractor or a few different things like that, because you've got a lot of time to think about this stuff. And when GPS is steering, you can kind of write out a little bit of a segment of what you want to do and whatnot. And, you know, but like when you get into calving and a few other things where you're, you're like physically laboring all day, not laboring, like giving birth, but like laboring, like working kind of thing, whatever. Because I, <laughs> I can't give, I can't give birth because I identify as a man. <laughs> good, to, Arnold, good to clarify. Arnold Schwarzenegger would probably differ with that because in that movie, he was allowed to be a, a birth a child. But <laughs> That's I don't know right. If, was I don't that know if real or not? Yeah. Yeah, he was pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's where you get the time to do a lot of this stuff. And it's it's a handful to keep a hold of. And now I found my new challenge is I've, I've been like, yeah, I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do that. You know, I want to try and help out for, for stars ambulance and a few other things around here. And you start booking all this stuff and, and like uh, the calendar and my phone has turned into my, my biggest friend because it's just like, Oh man, I need to get, I need to get that done. I need to get this done. This is due tomorrow. And that's where I haven't been uploading as much as I usually do, but I don't know. As, as long as at some point, through the day you're doing something good and making somebody laugh or, or helping out a group that's trying to do something good. I'm cool with that. And like we talked earlier, it's just like, I, it's not like I'm going to lose a sponsor by not uploading enough to YouTube. You know I mean? right. so, yeah. But it's been cool. There's, there's been some really cool stuff too uh, with my, you know, clothing and merchandise line of uh, I've taken a stand that I want everything made in Canada and not to be sourced overseas or, or any of that stuff. And that's, uh, that's been a really cool thing too. I've actually got to work with some really cool people in the business and found some really awesome mills that are actually, you know, milling fabrics here in Canada and a few different things. And you can never stop learning and finding things out and seeing what happens in this world. And we live in such an amazing time. And that's why I have a really, really hard time with a lot of the you know, the little basement dwellers living in their mom's basement. This is not my mom's basement. I'm in my own basement right now. We're not in your mom's basement. But like, this there was are so my many mom's people basement. that. <laughs> but I so pay a lot of money that, every month for it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's your allowance, right? Yeah. 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 Hey guys, a lot of you know that I actually do a second podcast, which is called Fieldwork. We are back for an all new season. We are now into season three. My co-host, Mitchell Hora, and I, we talk about all things sustainable agriculture. As we like to say, it is a podcast that is done by farmers for farmers. This season, we tackle things like financing farming innovation. We talk a lot about carbon markets, new sustainability standards in crops like cotton, and quite a bit more. We're actually going to focus a lot on Washington County, Iowa, which is the county down in Southeast Iowa where Mitchell actually lives and farms. They have a really strong conservation culture down there. So we wanted to go down there. We spoke with a lot of different farmers about what started that conservation culture and why it exists, why it's so strong there, and why does it work. So make sure you listen, check that out. Season three of the Fieldwork Podcast is out now. You can find it wherever you find your podcast. We are also at fieldworktalk.org and Fieldwork Talk on all the usual platforms. Th that, that, that's it. 
there's there's so many people that and especially a, a younger generation that will sit back and and tell everybody how hard they have in life and i just don't get it because i'm just like we live in an in an age right now where you have a phone in your hand that will basically tell you anything you want the world is open and if you really want what you want you you have the material at your fingertips to be able to go and do it and the only thing i named quick dick gets all sentimental isn't it right it's getting real serious here yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna cry in a little bit here yeah so but uh the only thing standing between you and what you want to get done is is you that's a great way to put it yeah completely agree yeah do Uh, do you follow jocko willink at all no i you know what i am the absolute worst social media guy on planet earth because i i don't think i follow anybody and if i do i like i might follow them but i don't see any of their stuff and i just i'm the worst i really am i listen to a few podcasts and then i've fallen out of it a bunch now but i i really got into instagram for about a year there but jocko willink is a guy like i've read his books and he was a navy seal he was over in iraq and um, i hear that's not that easy to do I, I mean, I'm guessing Navy SEAL. from from what I've read about it from, I think, three different SEALs books that I've read. Yeah, no, it sounds relatively like it's more difficult than sitting in your basement drinking beer. And I, there's a hump podcasts. or two you have to get over. I've heard. But yeah, you know, yeah. Geez, I got a lot of respect for the guys, uh, not only Navy SEALs, but th- that serve all together. But yeah, oh, absolutely. The, yeah, no, for sure. But he's anyway. he's got a saying along those lines of like, and I wish I could quote it exactly, but something to do with like. Everything in your life is your fault. There's nobody else to blame. It's all it's that. all on you, man. If you're not yeah. happy with your life, then that's on you. I couldn't. Well, it sounds like I could get along with this guy because, yeah, that's no, that's exactly right. There's, bad uh, things happen to good people every day, and it's how you overcome those bad things that makes you who you are. Yeah, that's right. That's, yeah, that's 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 very well said. I'm really lucky because I had good parents. And my parents did a fantastic, well, as far as I'm concerned, there's people that would disagree with that, but my parents did a great job of raising us and they, they taught us the, the value of a dollar and they taught us to work hard and they taught us to love each other and they taught us responsibility and responsibility is one thing I really feel that is kind of missing from society nowadays. You are responsible for your actions and we have a, we have a huge problem with our, our our criminal system here in Canada right now. And it comes from people that believe they're not responsible for their own actions, which is upsetting. We don't um, have that problem here in the U.S. at all. No, no not at all. Everybody no. takes <laughs> personal <laughs> responsibility. Yep. You guys got to get that under wraps. You guys have there. got a neat country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you neighbors to the north, you really got to get your shit together up there. <laughs> <laughs> we really do, yeah. But uh, no, I was like, you know what? I grew up on a 2000 head ranch. So it was a government ranch, Prey Farm Rehabilitation Act. The PFRA it was started in the in the dirty 30s here in Canada as as drought relief for farmers to be able to graze their cattle. And it was crown land. The government went in and fenced a whole bunch of land. And my dad actually wound up uh, working with them for 30 years as a working cowboy. He started off, which was get up every morning and saddle your horse and you go out and check cattle and treat cattle and rope cattle and do that day in, day out. That's how I grew up. And I didn't know it as a kid. When you look back on it now, it's amazing. But I didn't know it as a kid. My parents had no money. They were very poor. And I had no idea. Same thing multiple times in the 80s. 
I didn't know how poor we were until I got older and heard the stories and you look back and it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, I guess. I didn't know that when I was a kid. I thought if every day, I just remember having the best childhood ever. And yeah. I'm very lucky to be able to say that. And I realize that and I appreciate that because there's a lot of kids out there that really don't, you know, but my parents had no money. I didn't know, but that was their job was to make it to us that we were just perfectly fine and everything was going to be okay. Right. My dad taught me how to ride horses, how to rope, how to care for animals, how to care for other people. Yeah. It, it just couldn't have been better. And when, when we went up the road, eight miles to, to Stony Lake and camped for the weekend. Well, I mean, that's what kids nowadays would be like, yeah, we went to Cancun last week. Well, we went to Stony Lake and fished for jackfish and we'd kind of go swimming and every now and then you'd have to pull a bloodsucker off of your leg, but we didn't really give a shit, you know, <laughs> I mean, like, and I think that's kind of something that that's really missing a lot from, from a lot of, a lot of younger people's lives nowadays, just not the struggle, but just that uh, you, you can find happiness with a lot of really, really simple things. And Learning to just uh, live in the moment and be, I yeah. will say that that's a, probably the one good thing that's come out of COVID is yeah, that can agree more. Yeah. requiring us all to stay home and learn how to just do nothing and be happy where you're at kind of type deal. Becky, I know are you telling I'm, me that you and Zach are doing nothing? Is that what's going on? That's <laughs> yeah. probably not very healthy, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's got COVID there, Dick. Oh yeah, yeah we're, so we're, social, we're, we're social distancing in our big giant house now. <laughs> six but six our, feet away, uh, eh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have Zoom meetings together. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no nope. thing. I you, haven't thought of that yet. You, <laughs> you oh my back. god! Of course it is. For sure. Becky, it you, is. You've got the virus right now. You've got it. I've got I it. Know. Yes. I was supposed to actually have my gallbladder taken out here this week or next. And so I had to go in for a COVID test. I had to have a cancer screening done before they were going to take my gallbladder out and no symptoms. Went in for my COVID screening and they called and said that I tested positive. So now I'm stuck with my gallbladder for like another month. And yeah. And now I have a cold is basically what it's like. (laughs) Oh, that sucks. Last time I tested positive or something, it was not COVID. Not COVID. It just you burned when you peed. You weren't quick enough. <laughs> I was not. I was not quick enough. Yeah. Apparently you can't be that quick. <laughs> so we are laughing. This is fun. Yeah, that's good. Uh, no, yeah. And then, you know, turns out herpes just kind of hangs around for a little while. (laughs) That was the second time I had crabs. (laughs) (laughs) Super troopers references all night. I was just going to say that's another super troopers. So I had one question left on my list. All right. What the hell are chuck wagon racers? Damn it. Oh man. Randy. We were all thinking the same thing. You guys don't race chuck wagons down there or what? I've no. the only chuck only thing in my life that's been a chuck wagon is the food wagon from like Belgrade. They make really good burgers. Oh, it's like a is. traveling food wagon. It's called the food they wagon. Season them with something that Lowry's. is made out of. They really dump the Lowry's tears out. of the gods. All right, so it's so it's it's actually really cool. So growing up as a kid, uh, I was a team roper, and uh, like I, I team roped in high school rodeo and a whole bunch of things. And like I said, I was a very very as far as I'm oh, concerned, like calves. No team roping steers. That's where there's like uh, a header and a healer. Bobby Hurley, Alan Bach kind of stuff. Yeah, not goats. Yeah, <laughs> not, not goats. No. Okay. 
goats. The only thing we ever had with goats was Velcro gloves and rubber boots. And <laughs> my gosh, yeah, you can televise any of it, but I'm just kidding. Um, kind of, but anyway, so chuck wagon racing is what happens is a lot of guys in Canada. So if you get down like a lot of the horses that run the Kentucky Derby and a few of these different things, they'll like they'll they'll run their life and when it's gotten to the point where they can't really run that good anymore or whatever, a lot of thoroughbreds will be brought out and sold cheap or euthanized or gone to glue factories or different things. And uh, they, they kind of started it off as a few different guys in the snack of the woods as, is kind of almost a horse rescue program, but they'll bring them up. A lot of guys buy them from down in the States and they'll bring thoroughbreds back up here and they'll actually harness them and break them to, to pull wagons. Right. So they'll do a four up hook is what it's called. So you get, you got two leaders and two wheelers. So you'll have a four up hook of horses on a, on a little chuck wagon kind of thing, right? Like kind of the old Western style chuck wagons, but they're a smaller version with a little tarp on them. It's like a single axle cart. No, they're four axles, right? The so wagon like is a, a four axle. Yeah. So there's a pole and a steering axle. You're thinking gladiator. And then I'm you get a back Google axle. chuck wagon racers. <laughs> Google the Calgary stampede chuck wagons. And you'll see it's half mile of hell, they call it in, in Calgary kind of thing or whatever. But so it's a half mile circular track. And what happens is you get four wagons for these hooks on, on the infield. <laughs> and basically what it is, is, it's like a tribute to old style Western culture where they would have four up hooks and they would have wagons. And what they do is they've got a, a barrel that's kind of close by and then a barrel that's kind of, it's called a bottom and a top barrel. What you have to do, you've got two outriders, they're called. So it's two guys that are on saddled horses. And there's a, well, they call it a stove. So it's your cook stove. But what it is, is it's a race. And everybody comes into the infield all at the same time. And they stop at the barrels. And then the horn blows. And your outriders have got to throw the stove into the back. And then your team of chuck wagons has to do a figure eight around the barrels on the infield. And then they come out and they come onto this track and the track is a half mile all the way around, which is actually like, it's, it's a fairly big track. And it's just the first one to cross the finish line wins. And it is like a minute and 10 to 45 seconds, depending on track conditions of absolute and complete fuckery. I'm looking at pictures now and it looks pretty insane. It's amazing. And the, but these guys race for huge, huge money, like especially at Calgary Stampede. And like they sell advertising on their tarps that they got on the chuck wagons and everything. And it's incredible. So when I was a kid growing up as a team roper and rodeo, my dad was always like, no, those chuck wagon guys, they don't know what the hell they're doing with horses. And so the chuck wagon guys were always like the devil to us kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wound up meeting up with a good buddy of mine and he's like, yeah, I went and run chariots and then I run chuck wagons. And he's like, it's a great time and I'm going to get into it. And when I started looking into how these guys actually look after their horses and treat them and, and how they run and a lot of different things, I was like, I had no idea. This is how well they looked after animals here. And basically what it is, it gives a lot of track horses from down in this, in the States. It's like a second life because for a thoroughbred to run, is like for me to sit here and drink beer. I like it. You know what I mean? And that's <laughs> right. Like, yeah. And like thoroughbreds were, they were bred to run and that's what they like doing. And they get looked after really well. They all get good homes. They get good people that look after them and they hook them together with uh, three other horses and they tear around a track and it's, 
there's no feeling like when you are sitting in the seat of that chuck wagon and you've got you got to run the lines through your fingers a little bit because you got lines going out to your leaders and lines back at your wheelers and you have to slide your lines and you're steering them and everything and it's uh, it's incredible i have no idea how guys I have a whole new respect after I sat in that seat and tried to drive a team of chuck wagon horses for guys that you see, like the Budweiser guys that are running six up hooks and a bunch of different stuff. I have so much respect for, for guys that can, guys and girls, this is whatever, no, no equalization problems here. Just depends on what they identify as. However they want to identify is perfectly fine. So you're not, you're not just steering the front horses and the back horses follow the front horses. No, no, you you steer the back ones as well. And you control their speed differently too, right? So you have like, I'm not sure how to describe it, but like essentially it's like if you're running a a quad track tractor, it's like you're steering each. Like a red one? Red or green, whoever your sponsor is. I don't care. Whoever you guys want to plug. Go on. Well, (laughs) quad tracks are red. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like you're steering each track individually. Yeah. From the implement behind you. It's badass. If I was running that thing, I'd be like a wiener dog running sideways down the track. It, it, it'd, be, it could. it'd just be hoofs and assholes everywhere. <laughs> well, according to some of my Google searches here, there is times when hoofs and assholes go flying. Uh, what are you I'm searching there specifically? I'm a dirt track racer. And the first thing I thought is like, these guys got to have some crazy wrecks going on, right? There are times where there are some crazy bad wrecks. Absolutely. I see that. Yeah, I see yeah there that. are. I mean, the, I guess the only way to look at that is there's, there's a lot of animal rights activists that get after it and a few different things, but I, I would, I would challenge people that have an issue with it to go see how the horses are treated and the demise for those horses, if they don't get brought into the chuck wagons circuit is a glue factory. So you always have to keep that in mind, right? And they, they have a great life and it's, it's really no different than you know, the four of us were in a car driving down the road and we got sideswiped by Sammy or T-boned at an intersection. Shit does happen. But what kind of headline would they make from that between like a Dick and a Johnson? (laughs) (laughs) Do you mean the snowmobile Johnson or where are we going with this here? (laughs) Wherever you want to go with the headline. (laughs) <laughs> johnson was hit in, oh sorry it's dick and zach johnson yeah sorry we got that wrong i never put that together until you just said it jeez this is hilarious <laughs> we could start up our own podcast called dick johnson <laughs> we could we could <laughs> talk about all the dickery around the world nobody would listen who are we kidding here yeah. johnson's dick but uh, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's it's really cool. And there's uh, actually, you wind up learning. I learned a lot about animal therapy there, which was really incredible. And a lot of the different things that uh, that a lot of these racers do to try and keep their horses in shape and whatnot. And uh, there's some cool stuff. If you actually get into, into equine, there's even like horse witch doctors and a few different things. I'm not sure I'm a believer in a lot of it, but it's it's just really cool to be able to see everybody's different angle on on how to handle equine therapy. It was incredible. Yeah. And I learned a lot about uh, the care of animals, specifically horses doing a lot of that stuff. And I'd been around horses all my life. So another big thing about it too was the the difference between, you know, your quarter horses and thoroughbreds and and how they run and how their minds are programmed and how they're bred differently and 
it's just like everything, like what I was saying earlier. I mean, there's like, there's a bottomless pit of knowledge into absolutely everything. And I guess the point I'd be trying to make is when I was, when I was younger in the team roping part of rodeo, those guys had no idea what they were doing and they had no business being in the horse business was my perspective. But then once I saw things from their side, I was like, though, these guys have every business being in the horse business because they know what they're doing and they're just dealing with a different kind of horse than we are. And yeah, it's just a, an endless pit of knowledge everywhere you go, which is, which is really cool. Like a farmer judging another farmer from 300 miles away. It's like you were just waiting to say that patiently. I had just thought of it actually about <laughs> you were, you were like a seconds just waiting to pounce. Yeah. yeah. Randy, what's your list at? Team roping. How long did you do team roping? I was actually really lucky because we actually built a roping arena on, on the, the government place that we were on. So it would have been basically since I could sit in a saddle, I would have been four years old when I started riding in the pasture and then actually learned how to rope. I started healing and then switched over to heading. And then by the time I was 13, I was high school rodeoing here and there and uh, would go to jackpots all the time. I essentially grew up doing it. And like I said before, I was just so lucky to do it. So how, when did you quit? Or so you quit? It, it was basically at the end of high school, just because I wound up getting a job because all of a sudden I didn't have to go back to school in the fall. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I locked my way into a job in, in Brooks, Alberta, which was quite a ways away, but it was just, it was just, you just kind of took what job you could get at the time. And it wound up being in fracking actually. So I went and worked on a frack crew for, oh man, I would have been about five years on a frack crew and then actually got into the, into the, into the heavy transportation side of that afterwards. But yeah, so I like I was a cowboy rate until I graduated high school. And now I'm kind of trying to turn back into one again kind of thing. But it's really strange how that goes, because at the time, I had no idea how good I had it in life. It's just, you know, we had an endless supply of, of quarter horse, not endless, but I mean, there was a lot of horses that we had on the place and, and a guy could have just stuck with it and just kept riding and, and rodeoing and, and doing all those things. I mean, I could have been you know, I could have been Ed Dutton or John Dutton for all I know kind of thing, but life took me in a different path and I followed it. Yeah. So that's where I went, but it was, it was just a really, really great way to grow up. Sure. So yeah. when you went into fracking then roughnecking then, or, or what? It's not actually. So, so it's, it's hydraulic fracking. And it was kind of funny because a, a lot of guys from around this neck of the woods go work the oil field when they get out of high school, because, you know, there's not a lot of high paying jobs around here. I mean, you can be a farm laborer, a bunch of different things, or if you got a whole bunch of capital, you can try and buy into your own farm, but like, it, it's not easy to do. And I mean, that's, I'm, I'm sure you guys are very aware of that is that it, it's, it's just not easy to buy into a farm and start farming. Like it's just not that easy. Right. Yep. So yeah, I, I went out and actually started as an equipment operator on a, on a hydraulic fracturing crew in Brooks, Alberta. And it's, it's basically, you just operate a lot of big high pressure pumping equipment that's mobile and you go from location to location and it's very chemical intensive, uh, pressure intensive. There's a lot of science behind it. There's a lot of different things going on. And I just started doing it and same thing, just bottomless pit of knowledge of things that you can learn and started learning about formations and different things and, and transportation and commercial trucking and a few different things. And man, that, that took me places I never would have imagined going. I don't think ever in my life. 
I wound up following it all the way up to Grand Prairie, Alberta, which wound up taking me up into Northern Canada and then all the way up into the Arctic circle and just a whole new experience of different things. And a lot of parts of Canada that a lot of people here don't get to see that are completely and absolutely amazing. The Arctic circle is one of the coolest places I think I've ever been coldest, but coolest. If that makes sense. I don't know. It does. Yep. It makes sense. It's neat. But got right into the trucking side of things and wound up managing a transportation company at a Grand Prairie for basically the last seven years before I came here. And yeah, lots of different things going on there. You know, then you get into the technical side of all that with e-logs and uh, and safety programs and a lot of different things. And man, I, f- I feel like I'm kind of like a little bit of a Stomp and Tom Connor song where I've I've been everywhere. I really have. I've been a lot of places, which has been really cool and i'm really glad that i had the opportunity to see a lot of these places so out of all the places you've been and i know jackson minnesota is the coolest one (laughs) because oddly enough my parents are both from jackson minnesota are you shitting me no spent a lot of time there as a kid still have a cousin that farms very close to there okay i'm Uh, gonna get the name of the garage of the guy that helped me out there and maybe you might know but i mean it was it was fantastic he probably came out of sioux falls and and i don't know him man i mean cousin kenny might know him kenny might know who he is (laughs) he's still down there farming but my my important question about that day is what broke and what type of motorcycle were you on oh the only type of motorcycle that breaks the harley davidson okay before you answered the question as far as what type of motorcycle it was i i you have that answer in my head. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually it's hilarious because this guy, this guy's name's this guy that helped me out. I, like I phoned a bunch of Harley dealerships around and I gave up on Harley because it's kind of like dealing with John Deere. Yo, oh, everyone's it, everyone's getting offended now. Fuck it, I'm gonna hit on John Deere a little bit here. But it's just like you phone around to ten different John Deere dealerships and well, we've got that part here, we've got that part here, we can get it in here tomorrow, and then you have to get it here and da 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 or whatever. And I just phone a, a backtown garage on a whim, and he's like shit i got an aftermarket one here if you get it here i'll get it on the hoist tomorrow i'll get you on the way i was like can see you tomorrow so the guy's name was chris and he runs a place called pico's garage in sioux falls south dakota is he saying and garage garage the time he said garage garage yeah, is that a canadian not, word or is that a quick dick word why what's is it is it garage where you guys come from no is it, is it? Car, car car hole <laughs> <laughs> Now we've had too, too many beers. Did you say cornhole or carhole? Which one? Carhole. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. That's funny. Shit, yeah. Okay, um, so garage. I need garage. to know, is this a Canadian word? That's that's what you call the place where you put your vehicle, man. I don't know. No, it's either a carhole or a garage. Oh, you guys are garage? It's a garage. I think garage. it's French. It's- your garage, garage is a is a Simpsons. Ooh, la di da, Mister French in his garage. <laughs> garage? I'm just confused. I've never heard that said. Like Mais quelque that. chose quand tu sais dire en français, c'est très bien. Ah, uh, right? see, yeah. now you pick the French fight with the Canadian. No, right? they don't. But anyways, <laughs> this guy was hilarious, actually. So he waits for me because I'm not going to get there till like six o'clock at night. He's like, well, I'll wait for you here. I'll give you a ride. He's like, find a hotel. I'll get you on the, the guys will be in early. We'll get you on the hoist. We'll get you on the road tomorrow. I was like, okay. 
which was hilarious because I get there and he's waiting there with a beer. So we crush a beer when we get there. This guy was just a beauty. <laughs> and then he's like, Kate, where are you staying? I'll, I'll give you a ride there. And I was like, well, I'm staying at the Red Roof Inn or whatever. And he looks at me and he's like, you have no standards, do you? I was like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'll stay at the Red Roof Inn. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> it, it already burns when you pee. Now it's going to itch when you wake up. <laughs> <laughs> so so this guy's giving me a ride to my hotel and like i'm getting the best single guy tour guide of sioux falls south dakota he's like it's a strip club there it's a university bar there it's, it's serious like shit man you know where tell me where to go so uh anyways he, yeah he got me fixed right up but actually what it wound up being is when i was i'd, I'd phone i don't know how many places and they can help me out I'd had my cover off of my chain case and everything and I couldn't see anything wrong. And like, it's human nature to overdiagnose problems. And I had this guy on the phone and he's like, well, have you checked your drive belt? And I was like, well, yeah, I've checked my drive belt. And he's like, no, but have you checked your drive belt? And I was like, well, and I'm, I'm getting mad at him. Cause I'm like, well, I'm on the phone with a dummy here now or whatever. And I'm just like, well, I've checked the drive belt. The drive belt's right there. It's fine. He's like, but have you checked it? And I, I'm, and like on my third time being like, I've checked the fucking drive belt and I'm going over to the drive belt and there's, there's no teeth on the drive belt at all. <laughs> and I'm walking up to it and I'm like, there, Oh, there's no teeth on the drive belt. He's like, there's no teeth on your drive belt. Is there? But like, he knew what was going on right away. So this guy was a fucking beauty. And like the guys that worked at a shop were awesome. And it was just, man, Pico's garage, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, if anybody out there rides a Harley and and obviously is going to need it fixed at some point in time, that's the guy you call because they were deadly. I'll have to. I got two brother-in-laws that live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and one of them uh, he doesn't anymore, but he managed the the Harley on the sales side. Okay, Davidson shop in Sioux Falls. Apparently, they make shitty belts. Yeah, no, the garage in Sioux Falls actually had good belts. It was Harley that made the shitty ones. But I will tell you, right, the, right. That, the, well, uh, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. yeah, the the uh, the strip club that I went to in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, I think that's the third place that I got uh, herpes from. And I didn't even like I just sat down, and drank a beer and left because it was that bad. But you didn't even <laughs> toss any toonies up there. No toonies. They, well, I did. But then I got escorted out immediately yeah. afterwards because they thought I was throwing something at the exotic dancer. So <laughs> strippers don't carry magnets in the States. Yeah. And I was like, where's your magnet? And then <laughs> and then two very big gentlemen escorted me out of the building. Yeah. So like before we get off this call here, I need to know that's true. They really come out with magnets. That's straight up, man. That's that's true stuff. How could I make something like that up? I laughed so hard at that earlier. I can't laugh anymore. We're, we're just going to have to go to Canada as soon as you open the borders. Oh, yeah. I'm not kidding. We're headed to Winnipeg. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what. No, we're not going to Winnipeg. We're going to go to Calgary. That's where we'll go. That's a way farther drive for us. Really? Calgary? Calgary is closer to you than Winnipeg? Winnipeg is only five and a half hours straight north. Calgary's you do not like want to go to hours. Strip, you do not want to go to a strip bar in Winnipeg unless just leave it at that. Why? That's a big it's, city. It's called the Windy City. <laughs> well, I don't know where you're going. So is Chicago. Chicago's called the Windy City. Chicago's called the Windy City? Yeah. Shit, I didn't know that. The strippers fart there lots or just one? No, I was just going to say, I've never, I've never been in a strip club in Chicago, though. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I've never been to a strip club in Winnipeg. I've been to a Jets game in Winnipeg. 
it's some kind of hockey thing. I, you know what? I am not much of a sports guy. I'm really not. And that's, I, I, I get on lots of podcasts. There was one that was like a hockey podcast called the Monday noon or right out of Saskatchewan, like the top hockey podcast in, in Saskatchewan. And I was like, what do you guys want to talk about? And they're like, well, hockey. And I was like, this can be a short fucking podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So then we just talked about small town dances and getting drunk and, and nineties country. It was all good. So, well, that works too. I'm going to, I'm going to Google directions to Calgary from where I'm sitting right now. Yeah. Do it up, hit up the maps. No big deal. What's going on with, uh, with your guys's, uh, like agricultural rotation right now. What do you guys got going on right now? Is all the last year's crop hauled to market or what's happening? Well, for us on the farm that we're sitting on right now, our beans all got hauled in in the fall, which hasn't happened for a few years. Luckily, we did it this year, so we sold them for like half price of what they are now. <laughs> so that was nice because then we don't have to worry about paying taxes on any income. And then <laughs> the corn, the corn, we pretty much store 90 to 100% of it, which we stored 100% of it this year, which was also nice. That meant the yield was lower, so we don't have to pay taxes on that income. And we've got half of it hauled in now. So are you guys, do you guys contract before you grow? Or what are you guys doing? Some. We do. Some? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Randy and I are on separate farms, but. Gotcha. Yeah. Our farm does. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we yeah. definitely, we actually hire a marketing guy. Okay. Yeah. Zach's dad is kind of a marketing he's genius. A, I he's mean, a he's guru. Just, yeah, he loves yeah. it. Guru. Yeah, he's I love the word it. guru. It's my favorite. Yeah. 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 But we're, we're sitting about the same, uh. I don't know if we have quite half the corn hauled now. And uh, we actually did store some soybeans from last year. We probably got 10% of the crop left. Gotcha. Uh, right on. They're from last year. But We had uh, like beans are doing well, but uh, and like, I don't follow beans that well, but I mean, canola over the last little while up in Canada here, has just been going insane. Yeah. Um, you, you're down today or yesterday they see. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, the bubbles kind of started bursting a little bit here uh, yesterday, today kind of thing, but man, it was going, it was going crazy for the longest time. And now it's, it, it's so, so tricky right now. And everyone's like, well, how much of next year's crop do you price? Because like a lot of the stuff that, that we had contracted was at like 1050, 1075 kind of thing. And, and right now, like May canola was hitting at like 17 and a half bucks. <laughs> Just like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a good way to describe it. We well, harvest you describe it, right? Yeah. Or soybeans at harvest eight. Well, we um, sold ours a little bit ahead of time, so we did pretty good. We got eight sixty. So I work for a couple farmers, and then one of their sons, and then I also run a, a tiling company for them. All right, and then one of their sons and I also started farming two years ago. Okay, so first hear that. year was yeah. all PP. The last year was our first crop, and and we yeah. sold. We do have just a tiny bit left, but uh, we sold most of ours for some at eight seventy and some for nine. And right now it's thirteen. Really? You can get like thirteen seventy right now, probably. Probably. So yep. we have officially hit the point of this podcast where we are old men talking about crop pricing, just so we're all aware of that. <laughs> well, that's not true. I was. We're. we're oh, wait. Yeah, I've got the. I've got the grain markets up on my phone. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were getting directions. <laughs> I. I, I am already done. We've gone into the well. It's horrible. So. Now. This this is not in in kilometers, so this is not metric miles. Yeah, this is real miles. So <laughs> to go to Calgary from here is one thousand and sixty six miles. Oof. Okay, that's at least three strip clubs in between. <laughs> oh God, I was correct. Really? Winnipeg is closer, three hundred and thirty one miles. Oh shit! Oh, okay, I yeah, I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah. So you guys, you guys are kind of in in like northeastern 
No, we're West it, we are straight south of Winnipeg. You're straight central. Okay, yep. okay, okay. Yeah, let's and it's make it like sense. the same distance mm-hmm. to North Dakota or South Dakota. If you take I the border you. from north and south and you come straight in forty miles, we're there. Now I know where you're at. Yeah, got you. Yeah, I'll be showing up on your doorstep probably in a couple of days. Whatever, no big deal because I know where you're at. But we we'll have beer left. Right. Yeah, we'll be I'll here. bring you some deadly Saskatchewan beer. Actually, you, you know go. what? We, we were just talking about crops here, and there's a so these guys, Great Western, and like they don't sponsor me. This isn't a product plug or something like that, but sell out. Like, yeah, I know, right? Not really. So their shtick is like they will only brew this beer with Saskatchewan grown barley, which I love that about small companies and local companies or whatever. But because of what's been happening with weather patterns and a lot of stuff lately here, they actually have to secure malt barley to be able to live up to that marketing brand that they have going on so they've got growers in a certain part of saskatchewan that they're like we are contracting this much malt barley at this price for you because there's a lot of guys here over the last couple of years that with when you look at the price of feed barley versus uh like a metcalf malt barley or whatever there's like why would i ever put the extra effort into growing a malt when i can get like six bucks for feed Sure. And yeah. So now you see like a lot of brewers are starting to have problems like securing something for malting, right? Which is crazy. But like a lot of the stuff that's happened with futures uh, prices here has just been, it wreaks a little bit of havoc on a lot of stuff for the simple fact that ever, even us, like we, we feed barley right through the course of the winter to the herd here. And it's like, why the hell would we ever grow Metcalf next year? If you're going to get 65 to 70 bushels an acre at best off of a really good, you know, Metcalf crop why wouldn't we just grow feed barley at 110 bushels an acre and sell it at six bucks and not worry how much it rains? <laughs> you know what I mean? You're talking barley, man. <laughs> so that's probably not your guys's. Yeah, no, no, yeah. not, not, I mean, not at all. But I suppose, so are they contracting then they're like, they're contracting barley through the growers right away to say, we're going to buy the barley at X price. Straight up, yeah, for for malt barley, yeah, nice. Because they if if they want to make their their product out of a Saskatchewan malting barley, then it has to be done with a Metcalf, right? Which so, I suppose for them also works out because then they know what they've got for a cost as far as like inputs it, into the barley for the beer, it, and they have to do it that way. But now, like, I'm questioning to see what's going to go on in the next couple of years because. So up here, like like we don't get a lot of guys that grow corn up in this neck of the woods, and so as far as feeding goes for livestock, our barley is basically your guys's corn when it comes to feed. Right. Sure. Uh, because we don't, we don't grow corn that fantastic up here. Our growing season is just, it's just not there. And we, we can't really do it. There's a few guys here that actually grow corn that'll actually graze corn throughout the course of the winter, depending on how the winter goes. But we primarily feed barley up here as, as our, as our feed grain. Right. Whereas when you get down in your guys' neck, the woods and farther South, it's corn. Right. So it's, it's neat. I, I like, I love this. I, I love this shit, how this all works, how everybody grows a whole bunch of different things all over the place. And when you get down into, even in Canada here specifically, you get down into different parts of Ontario and stuff. Lots of guys are growing different kinds of beans and a few different things, which we just like, we can't, we don't grow them here because it just doesn't work. Right. 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 Um, I didn't realize you fed barley or that that yeah. much of it was fed. We straight up feed barley this year because feed barley has been so insanely priced 
we're actually trying to hold on to a couple of bins of feed barley and we've been working with one of the seed cleaning plants in town and we're actually trying to feed like pea screenings and a few different things to the herd with our with our silage which we've been getting really good results out of but it's it's crazy how you kind of have to adapt to what you're doing to manage your finances with with what's happening and when you see what's happening with beef prices and a few different things versus feed barley prices, even corn prices and different things, it's crazy how it all affects each other. And when I guess it, it, it just boils back to the fact of when you look at supermarket prices and how consumers view the market and what happens, like people have no idea what happens on the, in the background of what goes on. Do you follow Tony Fast, Fast Egg, Montana? Tony Fast? No, I don't. He's on Instagram and he is YouTube also. He had to be straight south of you. Like he's just north of Glasgow. He said Tony Fast. Yep. Yeah. Fast okay. Egg is is his YouTube and Instagram. But he was he's talking, closer to Calgary. Okay. He was I'll talking how he had a loaf of bread that had holes in the in the bread, and he was talking how and I I can't remember what it was, but there's something I believe it was a 19 with the wheat that causes holes in the bread, so they got you know majorly docked. And then here he's buying the loaf of bread at the same price. And that was funny. Oh. Like the next day I opened up a loaf of bread that we had just bought and it's got all these holes in the bread. So then I'm talking smart to the boys telling them like, Hey, you know why there's holes in the bread? It's because <laughs> it's, of the it's wheat got germ. something to do with the wheat germ or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I saw that. I didn't really know the backstory behind it, but I saw that going on. Yeah. And then, then right away I opened my loaf of bread and here there's holes in there. But anyways, he was talking how, how they got majorly docked selling that wheat. Because whatever the condition of that wheat will cause holes in the bread when they make it into bread. Straight up, yeah. So, but the bread was still sold at the same price, whether well, it had holes uh, in it or not. It's just like when you take corn to the local elevator here and they dock the crap out of you on test weight or FM, and then they load a train and blend it off so they don't get docked. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's really crazy, and that's where agriculture is. I, I don't think people understand how tough of business it is to be in because. Uh, Agriculture is it like as a farmer, you're a, ta- you're a taker for your price, right? So it's one of the very few industries where you will you have to, you have to take what your costs are for inputs, and you will take what you sell your product for for whatever people are buying for it at the time. You have no control over what they sell it for to the consumer or what you're going to be able to buy your inputs for, right? Hopefully, I'm going to be I'm going to try and do a video on this. Not that you make a huge difference with it, but difference with it but you can try but it's it's the exact same thing we like we sell a lot of our wheat to parish and heimbrecker in in canada here anyways uh, specifically around here and i actually stumbled upon a chart that they've got for grading your wheat and and what does what to your different kinds of breads and everything and, it, and it's exactly what you're saying is the price of what you buy off the shelf doesn't change and or goes up but it, it can significantly affect the cost of what a producer is getting for their product very very directly and nobody understands that they just go down and and honestly who really looks at their bread and there's like well there's a couple holes in it i really don't give a shit that's bread kind of thing uh, right it kind of pissed me off that day i was actually making a <laughs> peanut butter sandwich and the peanut butter backside it did irritate me that's what you get from that <laughs> plate, spreading the peanut butter around the rim yeah. <laughs> but it's 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 really crazy how all this stuff works and I think like there could be a have dick episode built off of that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> something with, something well, like, with the hole in the bread and the peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Everybody likes saving money. 
including myself, and a great way to save money right now is by paying 0% interest, which means you're actually not paying any interest because it's 0% when you're financing your inputs for next season. That's a no-brainer. Over at FBN Direct, they've got the 0% Club, where if you spend $35,000 or more on inputs through their online store by March 31st, you'll get 0% financing through FBN Direct all season long. Of course, you have to be approved first, but that's standard stuff. And for our friends north of the border, up in Canada, you'll need to spend 50 grand in Canadian dollars in order to get the same deal. Don't forget, membership at FBN is now free, so there's nothing holding you back from saving money on what you need for the growing season. Along with the savings, make sure you check out their other financing offers, crop marketing intel, crop insurance, and health coverage. There's nothing else for farmers like FBN, so go ahead, check it all out at FBN.com. Like you guys, like you guys don't have it down in the States right now. I, I really hope it doesn't come into effect, but like, are you guys aware that we have a carbon tax here in Canada? Well, we, we actually filmed an episode of off the husk right before this one filmed, okay. filmed, recorded, 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 recorded. filmed. Yeah. Which is actually, so one thing you talked about how we have time Well, we, when we do these double headers or we do a couple of them together, it goes mm. pretty good. The first two, three, four, eight went real bad. Because we couldn't control, <laughs> we got we, too drunk. We, we couldn't control ourselves, and we had to scrap the second one every time. <laughs> but we've been doing pretty good. Like we've we've been growing up. Uh, good for you but guys anyways, on your maturities. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the one before this was on carbon credits and how we oh, can really? sell our carbon credits. Okay, but so you guys got you a carbon tax. Now I didn't know you actually ended up with a tax. I knew it was a proposed thing. I didn't know you actually have it. Yeah, so so you guys are you guys are selling carbon credits right now? Is that what's happening? Uh, soon. I don't know anybody that is, but there's a lot of talk about it's it. Working it's working on, it. on the program for it. Yep. But you're not paying a carbon tax on any fuels or anything that you burn. Well, I don't want to talk about it much, but no. Yeah. Okay. So. Fair enough. Yeah. No. That's and, and I totally get it. Let me just tell you what's happening in Canada. So we started off at low dollars or whatever, but but paying thirty dollars basically per ton is is where we're at here right now of carbon credits. No, it's it's you pay a tax on any of your liquid fuels that you burn. So we we managed to have diesel exempt from it, farm delivered fuel, which we have it colored here in Canada because it's exempt from road tax and a few different so things. We, say we, we also yeah, yep. you get the same thing. Yeah, you color yours red. Yeah, red. We call it dyed dyed yeah, diesel. Same thing. Yep. Yeah. So when it's delivered, we don't have to pay it. But when we're drying grain or any of those extracurricular activities kind of thing on electricity. We, we pay a carbon tax on it because it's actually emitting carbon when you create electricity here or when you're burning natural gas to, to dry grain or propane to dry grain kind of thing, whatever, right? And that comes right out of our, our pockets when we're doing this. And this, the federal government came out with and they're working their way up to 170 bucks a ton here in the next little while. It's basically in some situations will will triple the cost of drying grain and they are offering no credits whatsoever for carbon sequestered when you're growing crops here i assume that would that would change a lot of things here with well with corn especially i'm googling stuff right now on all this it's it's um, it's really huge on a on a bad year and when you look at 2019 we had to dry everything we were the same for 19. Yeah. There's basically nothing that we brought off that we didn't have to dry. And uh, at that point in time, I think we're at 20 bucks a ton at that point in time. But you would be looking on a, on a month of, of drying grain just on natural gas cause, costs 
you would be upwards of $2,000 to $2,500 per month in carbon tax charges alone. You pay that on absolutely everything, on heating your home as a private citizen here in Canada. When you fuel up at the pumps, you pay it. You, you pay it on absolutely everything. And anybody that produces anything in Canada here, food production, industry, anything, everybody, everybody pays a carbon tax. So like and your old man burning wood. Really well, great. he doesn't. He doesn't pay carbon tax on that, but the the fuel that he uses to cut the wood, he has to pay carbon tax on the fuel <laughs> for the chainsaw kind of thing. <laughs> They've got it worked into a lot of things. They're working right now on trying to get it changed for food production, but you can see what's happening with the cost of absolutely everything in Canada right now is is going up, 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 up because no businesses can afford with the amount that we're taxed for corporate tax here in Canada at this point in time, nobody can afford to, to just absorb these costs. And the government's idea with all this is to be like, well, you will either innovate to make it so that you burn less carbon or you will just pay this tax is, is their theory on it. Right? So all that a lot of big corporations do right now is they just pass that cost onto their customer and you can see it happening in food prices. I've noticed it a lot in, we got hit really hard in the transportation sector, like commercial vehicles. If you're a huge, huge trucking company in Canada, here's Bison Transport, and they are a commercial operator and are not exempt from any carbon charge whatsoever. So every liter of diesel that they buy, they pay a carbon tax on. And that cost is going to continue to go up and up and up and up. The problem with it is like, what's, what's your option if you're Bison Transport and you have one truck that burns 800 liters of diesel a day and you, the, these guys have gone right down to putting the pucks into their wheel wells and the fairings on their trailers and everything. They've made them as absolutely completely fuel efficient as possible. And their job is to take a load from Edmonton, Alberta to Norman Wells, Northwest Territories and come back. I don't know if it's the same, but we'll see quite a few bison rigs down here. I'd assume it's the same. There's a lot of bison transport. You guys would go absolutely see bison down there. They are they're huge, and they're actually based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. Believe it. So or when not. they so when they get in the states, then they don't have to pay that carbon tax anymore. So I'm not sure how it works when they're burning fuel south of the 49th, but we pay it at the pumps. Okay, like here in Canada. So they don't but, ever drive back into Canada on e. No, you would never up. come back into Canada they on love e, those no matter what. 48. Yeah, with, with anything. But like that's what happens. So they've done absolutely everything they can to burn as little fuel as humanly possible. And their living is off of delivering freight to remote places in Canada. And they're handcuffed. They have no option but to pay this carbon tax. So now what we're starting to see on a lot of our stuff, and even if you if you look into some of your inputs that you get delivered to your farm or, or tools or parts or anything indirectly this this carbon charge is being passed on to everybody in every way shape or form throughout the entire country and it's just on freight alone i i've seen on my invoices a 20 percent fuel surcharge just by doing a fuel surcharge so that's fuel what surcharge. they should be doing is a fuel surcharge and everything so that everybody knows when they get that slip that that extra 20 percent is, and, is, and that's is, and that's what is. they do and and like i don't blame them for doing it because i realize if they don't do it they're gonna go broke but that puts a 20 percent levy onto absolutely every cost of what we get shipped in 
and then you pay that levy on every little bit of natural gas and or propane that you burn to heat your home, to heat your shop, to heat anywhere. And then you have to pay if you're third partying your hauling services when you put your crop to market, then you're paying that 20% again on top of everything. So it, it's a charge that you can't get away from no matter what. So when you pay 20% on everything coming in and then you pay 20% on everything going out and you're taking a price, it, it turns it to the point where things get very, very unaffordable in a very, very big hurry. And if, if you take that past where the trucks are taking it to, so like let's use grain millers again, for example, in, in Yorkton, they're using a lot of natural gas and electricity and whatnot to run their kilns, to run their power, to run their rollers and everything. Now they've got that charge that they need to deal with. So where does that charge get passed on to? Onto their next consumer and so on and so forth down the line. So if you follow me on this, I've paid an extra 20% to bring my products in for inputs. And then I've paid an extra percentage on, on running my equipment. Then I pay an extra 20% out on putting it out. And then when I go to the grocery store and I just want to buy a bag of oats, I'm paying it again on buying those oats back from the grocery store that came from my farm. And like, how many times are you taxed on that when it comes around the curve? On the same dollar. On, on the same dollar. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's, we're living in very, very terrifying times with, uh, with our, I'm going to call them carbon drunk society. That's just like, we have to tax, tax, tax all of this carbon to make it stop. Well, you're not stopping anything. The only thing you're stopping is people actually being able to get ahead in life or make a dollar on something. Right. So it's, it's, it's very expensive to, to do a lot of things in Canada right now. And it's only going to get worse. They're talking about bringing this carbon tax charge uh, up over the, the number of $300 a ton. So where do we run to? <laughs> There's nowhere to run to is, is, is the problem, right? I know probably as well as you guys know, everyone's trying to, well, you, you got to go green and you got to go carbonless and you have to go on to electricity and everything. Well, the thing with electricity is here specifically, in, in Saskatchewan, we generate most of our electricity from coal and natural gas, which are fossil fuels, right? So even if I go down to the store and buy myself an electric car, which has a battery in it, which has very rare earth metals in it that requires bitumen and oil to make all the plastic parts that make this car up into one piece, then you got to bring it home and you need to plug it in. You can only work it for so many hours a day. And when you have it plugged in and it's charging, it's not charging off of the sun or off of the wind it's charging off of natural gas and coal anyways right so it's it's, it's this big deep well that you kind of get dug that makes no sense and it's costing people a fortune and the local target has is there six of them there i the think tesla so. chargers the tesla chargers. i think there's six tesla chargers sitting there I haven't with seen diesel, six Teslas in Alexandria in my life. No, with the <laughs> diesel engine, there's a diesel generator sitting there to power those six chargers. That's, you know what happened there, right? It was a like a government. It was money. Oh, a grant. That, it was a grant. There you go. That's the it, word. It's I was government talking. funded, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, government funded deal to put in these chargers. Yeah. In a place like where we live, where we don't need those things. No, yeah. the parking lot's full. There's nowhere to park. And but I there's don't six Tesla charging stations open but do you blame target no the, the, they, they don't they but like the thing right? is 
when you look at electric vehicles and the horsepower and torque ratios that you get off these things, there there's nothing wrong with them. They're um, actually if, a pretty damn impressive. They're incredible. When you look and, at how an electric car works, they are absolutely. Amazing. And and the the maintenance is low. Everything's very low on them. The big thing. I'm not sure how it works in in the states, but here in Canada, you pay your road taxes through fuel. So if you're running an electric car, you're actually not putting anything into infrastructure rebuilding, which is very backwards. We're going to need to get that straight. But right now, if if you were to go to a to a lot of places around here, when we get to like 30, 33 above in the summertime and everybody's got their air conditioners running around here, there's a lot of places right now where the power grid actually fails with the amount of power that's going there, just trying to run air conditioning. Could you imagine if everybody switched over and just plugged their electric car in as well? Like, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> just going to be chaos, right? These things are cool. If you live downtown Toronto or in a city and all you do is just run back and forth to, you know, your, your office or the grocery store and a few other things. I mean, these things are, they're very incredible units and I, I'm not sitting here trying to diss electric cars or anything, but you know, we need to work on some nuclear power solutions versus fossil fuels and a few different things. We can incorporate solar, incorporate wind. There's some neat things, but we always need baseload power that's going to be there for us when the sun doesn't shine or the wind doesn't blow, right? And if you just look at things from an electric car perspective, take, this was a week ago, I had to run up to Priestville, which is, you know, just over two hours away from where I'm at right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah Priestville. Yeah, yeah, Priestville, right? You guys know Priestville, right? Right. Yeah, we get yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple hours north of you and tough. Yeah, night. to get a part for a tractor, it's forty-seven below Celsius, and yeah, uh, yeah Celsius. Right. Yeah, it's Celsius, right? Where yeah. does it even out? I want to say it's at thirty 40. something. That's it's Celsius like thir- and- I think it's like thirty-eight-ish. Yeah. So let's just call it forty. Let's just call it minus thirty-eight, so everybody knows what temperature we're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Because it's even, right? It's damn cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's cold as. F- right? Yep. Right. CAF. So I got to go basically on a five hour round trip to get a part for the tractor so we can feed our livestock for the door. It was not for the door. (laughs) (laughs) You can feed without a door. You just got to put an extra set of overalls on and maybe another toque. You know what I mean? Another toque. (laughs) There's a lot of people in the States listening right now that have no idea what the hell a toque is. Yeah, it's, it's, I, live, it, I live easily close enough to Canada to know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. Toque is a head sock, basically. Yeah. yeah. It's a face That's mask. Right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That goes over your head. Yeah. yeah. Hey, what uh, do you call underwear? Like underwear. Long johns, if it's cold. Well, yeah. You yeah. don't call it, isn't there another word that starts with a G? Or they, like a, you're talking gitch? Ginch, yeah. Gitch. Oh, Ginch. Yeah. Not G-string, no. Say it again. Don't ever tell anybody that I told you I wore one of those one time. <laughs> Not a G. Oh yeah, once, please. <laughs> Ginch, Ginches, Ginch, Ginch, Gotch, Gitch. Yeah, that's yeah, your under- above. Yeah, it's a thing. That's what yeah. you wear under your clothes sometimes. Yeah, I've never heard it called that in the states, but I'm. Yeah, yeah like you I shit say, your gotch. Cool. Did you shit your gotch? Is that what's going on? That happens sometimes. Yeah. Hold on, I really like that saying. How do you spell sh- shit? Yeah, if, if you fart and it smells real bad, someone will look at you and be like, you just shit your gotch. <laughs> <laughs> that should be one of the words you do, like windy today, but it should be what's, shit your gotch. What's that word? Shit your gotch. <laughs> you shit your gotch. <laughs> shit your gotch. <laughs> oh, goddamn. 
yeah, that's that'll that'll be another what's that word coming up, I'm sure. <laughs> I got one coming up. It's called sometimes. What's that word? Sometimes. And it's a whole bunch of things where you get sometimes you get one thing going on, sometimes you get another thing going on, kind of thing, whatever, right? And yep. today it's like, you know, sometimes you're vacuuming popcorn kernels out from under the couch because you got drunk watching Yellowstone last night. And then <laughs> And then you got the little like rainbow vac vacuuming things up or whatever. And then the next time you're like, and sometimes you're vacuuming a whole shitload of canola out of the bin because she's worth 1750 at the market or whatever, right? You got the huge grain vac going or whatever. You sounded just like quick dick McDig there for a second. Yeah, that's right. And then so the other night, BMA is lagoon froze up or whatever, which is where you pump out your shit to or whatever, and it stays there. And then you got to pump out the lagoon eventually, and it was getting froze up and starting to make its way back into the house. So he's like, We got to pump this lagoon out. I was like, I'll be right there. So we got the pump going, everything going, and auger down into the ice and get it all pumping, pumping out. And then, uh, so that's another sometimes thing. Yeah. So I catch myself on the shitter, and you're like, Sometimes you're taking a shit. And then sometimes you're pumping a little bit of shit or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> so we have lagoons on, on dairy farms. Yeah. Okay. So you said the lagoon where, so the shit backs up into the house? Well, it, if you let it get to a certain level in the lagoon, because how this works on, on a farmhouse out here, out in the country or whatever, is like your house is a little bit higher. And then you've got the angle of the sewer pipe going to the lagoon is at an exact angle. I don't remember the degree of the angle, but... It's, it's hilarious when you get guys digging these things in, it's like they have the angle figured out that your toilet paper tumbles instead of <laughs> flows. And I'm like, I don't know who the engineer is that designed that specific angle and size of pipe and type of toilet paper. And I'm like, did they take into account whether it's a solid shit or a liquid shit or how does it work out? <laughs> But anyways, yeah, so what goes on is like if you don't pump your lagoon out, eventually it gets up to the level of that pipe and things stop going into stop, the lagoon. Yeah. So in, yeah. in the States, we can't put our human shit in the lagoon with the cow shit. I think that was the piece that was missing. I was going <laughs> to connect those dots there. Are you shitting me? No. So we... we now, uh, Dick, are you saying you would mix human shit with animal shit? How, how dare you combine shits? That so, is <laughs> preposterous. I will be perfectly honest. If I had to take my pick for some reason, I would rather be splattered in the face with cow shit than human shit. So oh, yeah. I already know what he's going to say. Oh yeah. I don't 100%. do hundred percent. I don't do that human. a million times. Like, no, at, like when, when we had, my wife did daycare forever and kid shit. No, well, I'll, no, so I I'll got, gag myself, but you can cover me mm-hmm. in animal shit and it'll be okay. You so can I wash got that shit. Off. I got two of them here. So yeah. when we, when we built the dairy, we weren't allowed to plumb the bathroom that's in the parlor in with the manure pit. So we just dug the septic tank in would hire a septic pumper to pump it once a year, if even that. And then, and then he would truck. go out and he would dump it in the field next to the manure pit where we would pump the manure out of the pit and spread it in the field. Well, Sounds talking, like the Canadian government is running that show. <laughs> when you're talking about, <laughs> about the human shit, I, I don't do human. Like, nope. nope. So no way. I, I was helping my brother. We were uh, putting drain pipes around his house. He he'd bought a new house. He's having some issues in the basement. So we're well, we had to come to the sewer. Didn't exactly know where the sewer was. Thought it come straight out. It came out at an angle, hit the pipe twice, and broke it. <laughs> well, we broke the top off it, so the bottom was still good. So he goes in the house and tells all his kids like nobody use the shitter for the rest of the day. Like we are gonna get all the way through this, and then we're gonna fix it. 
somebody forgot. Oh yeah, 30, 30 oh, minutes later, God. Trevin forgets, and here's a here's a big old log. Here comes a human comes, log. This log comes floating across the set. <laughs> and then I had I was in the in the excavator, and I'm telling my brother like like no way in hell I'm going down there. So I I had scooped the dirt, and I'd actually buried the top of this pipe that didn't have the top of the pipe on it. So it filled the sewer pipe full of dirt. So Joey's down there scooping it out with a sh- with a spade, like shoveling it out. And God damn. It was a piece of plastic cot, and he was like chipping at it, and it broke it and hits the water and like splashes him in the face. <laughs> I was laughing so damn hard. And he gets the dirt out. He gets the last of the dirt out and like lifts up the piece of plastic, and a turd comes floating by. <laughs> <laughs> just rolling down shit creek yeah, i was laughing I, so damn i don't hard. care who you are there's nothing funnier than shit there's really <laughs> i don't know what is especially okay. in solid form like that <laughs> yeah. okay funny funniest septic truck names go we've got two of them here that's the funniest and one of them i've had in a video funniest septic truck names septic truck names i don't know if i like we don't have any that company. stand out around here. We have got a septic company here called Shit Disturbers. That's uh, I mean, they didn't even have to get that creative. It's well done. <laughs> so it's called Shit Disturbers, and then there's another one called the Stool Bus. <laughs> <laughs> I like Stool Bus. That's Stool it. Bus is pretty good. Yeah, they put some effort <laughs> into that. I mean, their, their motto is we're the number one guys in the number two business. We yeah. had a, we had a, uh, an, pump, an irrigation guy that that was a slogan, but, but if I was going to have a septic tank, I'd be the, the stool mule. <laughs> <laughs> stool mules. Good. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> That's a solid name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm oh, out of questions. Yeah. Now I feel like we're just getting drunk together. Well, but you know what? That's good times too. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Question. Okay. So, am I allowed to ask you questions then? No, nope. I'm not comfortable not. with that. Huh? But what did <laughs> what did the uh, what did the prom queen say when she got to the ball? <laughs> <laughs> you got her number? <laughs> Just kind of wondering, Zach. What made what made you start doing what you do? Like, what got you started in the ship? Now we're talking shit again. <laughs> yeah. 100% it was people that grew up in my area, in a rural area, and even a couple family members that should have understood something about farming that were saying things online, social media, about farming that, like, they, did, they didn't have the full truth. Mm. They didn't, you know, they talk about GMOs and drain tile and the way we handle livestock, and mm. they had this much truth. You know, they had an inch of truth, but they didn't understand why we did it that way. And inch, they were taking it totally out of context. Yeah. Yeah. Inch of truth and a mild bullshit. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what it was. Did that just start you off of like, there was one specific thing that you'd heard and you'd be like, this is actually how it works. Is that how it started? Or what? No, it was, it was a collective thing. And mostly, I mean, if you were to pick one specific topic, it was GMOs that really got me going but it was from multiple people seeing multiple things. And, you know, I, I just feel strongly that GMOs, like we use them correctly, use them responsibly. They're better for farmers, for consumers and the environment. And yeah, absolutely. it motivated me to try and get something out there about it. Yeah. There's a Canadian up here in Alberta, the, the guy's name's Robert Sake. 
he does some really cool I, stuff with uh, with promoting. Have, have you have you dealt with him? I know, I know exactly. Yeah, Robert and Nick. Yeah, I know those guys. Absolutely, yeah, sure. Robert and Nick. Yeah, I'm so glad you've heard of him. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've ne- I've never met Nick. I've talked to him a few times just like through messaging, but I did. I I met Robert, and I have no idea if he knows who I am or not. But oh, I'm sure he does. Yeah, super super progressive thinking dude. Yeah, like I have a absolutely. lot of respect for that guy. It was in, yeah. he actually he talked just a hundred miles south of us, and I went and watched him talk probably a year before I ever started anything on YouTube. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really glad to hear that. Did you ever think what you're doing would get as big as it is? No, not even close. I didn't even think it was a possibility. So when, when you walk around Alameda there now, like is everyone like, no, that's the millennial farmer right there. No, I'm, I mean, I'll get that once in a while from somebody, but no life's life's pretty normal. Especially like farm shows though. Farm shows is where it gets a little crazy. We got a farm show actually in the same town that Robert came and spoke in. Okay. Like that one specifically is difficult. And not that, not that I would ever complain about it, but just it's different. Yeah. I mean, it's no it, big deal. You just, just kind of get to walk in there swinging your dick around being like, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Just swinging meat. <laughs> <laughs> Just helicoptering, no big deal. <laughs> it's like I'm in the locker room again in high school. <laughs> helicoptering. Oh <laughs> uh, shit! No, well that's yeah. It's 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 crazy how things work, though, hey. Eh? It and is. Like, what about work. for you in Tufnell? No, I mean, there's only what 14 people in Tufnell. 12 actually. Yeah, you were oh, close. Okay. Yeah, but so it's uh, the other 11 know you actually, pretty well. You, you know what the funniest thing that's ever happened to me with this whole thing? Everybody knows who I am around here and always have. And and I was going to say they did before you were quick dick. Yeah. Like yeah. They, they, they knew Dick before I was quick dick. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. But the, and that's the I, same I, way I feel around here. I mean, I knew everybody I know now the same. Yeah, man. But the, the strangest thing happened to me once. And I don't know why. And when I go into the, like the bank, the phone, Lake credit union, like I know all the ladies that work there and it's just, you go to, and you never know which teller to go to. Because they're all like you walk in and you're the only person walking in. There's like four tellers and you're just like, oh, Bernadette, Joanne, Kayleen, or whatever. And they're all just like, and everyone's just like waiting for you to go to their wicket. <laughs> and you're like, well, how do you pick? Right. So I just, how whatever. do you pick? Strangest well, thing. Anyways, so many tellers that, wanting to talk to Dick. And I, <laughs> it's like, it's like picking the teller at Fleet Farm. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, deal, you know, right? yeah. I mean, sometimes you got to go up and down. I mean, to, to, <laughs> to pick your options, but the craziest thing is, I don't know what the hell video I'd put out or what had gone on, but I walked into the bank for some reason. I've walked into this bank a, like a million times in my life. And I walked into this bank and I don't know. And I like me and, and all of a sudden everyone's like, Oh, and I got a round of applause from the bank. In a your fucking bank round of applause in my hometown. Was that extremely uncomfortable? I turned around and walked out. <laughs> didn't you? Uh, didn't you do a? Didn't you do a debt one? Must have been after that one. It, it meant, no, it was not the debt one. No, yeah, which one of the two <laughs> banks was it? <laughs> they were not happy with me because they've been like, "You've been banking at Royal Bank, you son of a bitch." And I was like, oh, <laughs> "I might have been there once or twice. No big deal." <laughs> But no, everyone's everyone's super chill around here. It's it's yeah. 
I feel the same way. Like nothing, nothing day to day has changed in any yeah. place that I go to. Like I'm in my normal day to day life. It's, it's the same, same. Yeah. Shape. But like, honestly, like I, I don't in any way, shape or form think I'm some kind of a big deal. I'm not, I'm just a regular guy. You just made a cool I'm, quick dick logo. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I made that, my... that behind you. Do you have a t-shirt with that on it? Why did he get? Why? Oh, I didn't even notice. He's been. Like, he's, well, he's only had that on enough. for like three hours. So you said you had to. Cha- you just had to change that. Did Did you not say that right at the beginning? Oh, oh yeah. Our hypersensitive society. There's actually. I was approached by several people that were like, "I would love to buy some of your stuff, but I can't wear it to my school because it has the word dick on it." And I'm like, well, I have a question. Yeah, uh, please, please, uh, uh, Zach, go ahead. Yeah, Zach, you have could, could you change it to fast penis McPenis? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard fast penis McRichardson and a few different things. <laughs> could you be speedy penis? Expedited yeah, uh, Richard. <laughs> but off the start, I like, I was, I was butthurt. I was like, Dick is my name. It's my, like, I was like, it's my name like I was mad and then afterwards I was just like you know what I get it like it's just we live in a soft society and everybody gets concerned about everything that goes on and I'm just like so I just I changed it to just like I took the quick dig I just put made it QDM and that's it I've gotten emails we've tried to come up with different logos because I kind of pigeonholed myself with the Minnesota logo when I started everything Hmm. so we've tried a couple different logos and and had just like an mf on there and i've gotten emails from people that are like i really like your your stuff but i don't live in minnesota and i can't have anything with mf on it which was not even close to a thought when i started this whole deal what are you doing for a logo right now like what's your logo i I can't believe you're not wearing your logo this this would be the basic okay yeah that's all i like that yeah that's awesome he's actually wearing my logo right now (laughs) <laughs> but there's people like there's people that have an issue with that or what? Not with the Minnesota so much. He's got he's got other one that are just MF. This is an old school like it's a tractor grill, right? Oh shit, I like that. That's deadly, man. Yeah. I do I like that logo, but the kids yeah. are like, nah, the moms don't want to buy it because it says MF. So so why? Because like they want to tie in MF with mother or what? Yeah. God. Yeah. And, and when we were designing it, I was like, I don't know. People are going to think Massey Ferguson, but <laughs> like, whatever. I don't, I don't really, my grandpa was a Massey Ferguson dealer. So I guess I don't uh, care. They can do that too. But we are so simple. It's awesome. And like, that's <laughs> the first thing I was like, Massey Ferguson. I like it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I did a thing with my stuff, which is, which is kind of pigeonholed me a little bit, but like I've, I've made it made in Canada or Canadian made. And I've started putting the Canada flag on a lot of my stuff on basically all of my stuff which doesn't make it very attractive to anybody that watches anywhere outside of Canada, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. I like to think that what I do, and I've had a lot of people from U S and the UK and Australia and stuff, order my stuff and, and I send it to them, but I'm cool with that because I would like to think that what I do is when people watch my stuff and be like, that Canada seems like a cool place. And I I'd want to think that they would be cool with wearing a Canada flag or Canadian made or something like that. I wear some clothes that say, uh, you know, Manly Beach, Australia and a few different things or whatever. And it, I'm cool with that, you know? Right. And if people aren't cool with it, well, that's okay too. And 
yeah, I really went on this, on this huge, huge thing about getting things made here in Canada because we do so much outsourcing to fucking China and a, and a few different places. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm not okay with that. Like I just, it's, it's next to impossible. And I just want to, I just want to promote something that's made in Canada. I was made in Canada. All the food that we make is made in Canada. So why wouldn't I have the clothes that I'm trying to sell people? Not that I'm trying. They're there if you want them. I'm like, I don't push a lot of my stuff, but like, but the hoops you have to jump through and the people you have to find to actually get it made here is obscene. And if you dig deep enough into it, um, a lot of the fabrics, actually, it's fabrics that get shipped over from China and they just cut them and sew them here and then sell them. And like, I dug deep enough to go to that point. Now I've actually got a company out of Winnipeg. We keep talking about Winnipeg on this. Winnipeg's going to have to pay us some money to have this podcast here. It's a popular place. Yeah. (laughs) And it's actually a a mill out of Winnipeg that is making material here in Canada. And the the next round of merch I got coming out is going to be a product of Canada, which is really crazy in Canada. You can call it made in Canada if 52% of the cost incurred with making your product occurs within Canada. Uh So that means 48% 48 of it happens outside of Canada, which is ridiculous. But a product of Canada means that 98% of the cost was incurred within Canada. And that's what I'm striving for on my next round of merch is going to be a product of Canada. And I am learning firsthand that things like the carbon tax and corporate taxes and everything that we tax people on here in Canada does not leave a lot on the table for you if you want to sell something at a competitive price. And that is very troubling. Right. I agree completely. It's the same way down here. Yeah. The same way. There's no meat left on the bone. If you do it all here, because we have red taped it to the point where we've driven it out of here. It's true. And for some reason we are okay with dealing with countries that have horrendous labor laws and humanitarian efforts and a lot of things that are absolutely completely disgusting no environmental laws, no care for anything or anybody, but they can get it to you for 50 cents on the dollar. And here we are saying that's okay. While within our own country, we're saying, no, you have to treat people like this. You have to treat people like this. We're going to treat the environment good. We're going to do everything proper here. And this is what it's going to cost. Hypocritical. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how things, how things work, but I mean, it's, it's kind of going to be part of the reason of why I'm going to put it out there. And like, I don't make a lot of dough off anything that I do for merch, but I, I do it just to do it. And anything that I do make off of it, man, we did good. The Foam Lake Health Foundation here was raising money for a digital x-ray machine, which we did a couple of fundraisers for. And I donated everything that I made off my merch to that. And we hit our goal. And then there's a children's hospital in Saskatoon, the Jim Patterson Children's Hospital that I did a big fundraiser for with hats and stuff that worked out good. And there's good shit you can do with this stuff. Like I might be a goofball on the end of a phone trying to make funny videos and 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 do my thing, but th- there's there really is good shit that you can do with it. So I think it's important to keep doing stuff like that. And, you know, if you can keep going forward with things like that and helping events, helping communities, helping different things. and and helping people laugh along the way. I'll take that. That's neat. You know? For sure. Right on. Where are we at? Oh, God. I've just been waiting for you guys to end this. Like, I'm dying here. He just, he's (laughs) trying to run away. I do have one quick more thing, though. And you're talking apparel. 
So last week I had a, just a doctor checkup, physical, whatever. I took my hooded sweatshirt off and I was sitting there on the table and he was doing the lung sound thing on the back and he just starts laughing. My doctor, I was wearing my uh, testicle festival shirt. <laughs> so, so he's got, <laughs> so we have the, my chart, I think they call it. So it's, it's your, your, all your charts. So he's got it's in like there. an online app that keeps track of your, your, yeah, your so hospital every, every doctor of your business keeps track yeah, of your every business. doctor yes. visit forever. You know, is all on there. So you, right. it's a message to my wife on there something about the shirt. And then, so she messages him back, like, like, sorry about the shirt. He dressed himself today. And then, and then like in the, in the formal doctor notes, that'll be with me forever. The 2021 physical he has at the end of it. We'll see you back in 12 months, make appointment back in 12 months and choose a more appropriate shirt next time. It was funny. And he was, he was, man. Oh, he was, he was full on just (laughs) laughing his ass off. Like it was hilarious. So those testicle festival shirts, the guy that sent me those, he's down like South of Omaha. He's got a steakhouse and I know he's an off the husk fan. (laughs) So if we make it this far in the podcast, which means quick Dick's got two episodes. If we make it this far, he's going to be pretty excited to hear that. Yeah. (laughs) Testicle festival. Testicle Testicle festival. festival. Yep. Yep. It's going to be nuts. <laughs> Holy balls! It'll be fun. <laughs> Will you guys let me know what's going on, and, and like, uh, we gotta get straight exactly what this testicle festival is all about, because people get a really bad idea about everything, right? So, yeah, <laughs> it sounds like it's a meatball festival, something like that. He said you hang out, drink beer, and everybody puts balls in their mouth. I assumed it was a Rocky Mountain oyster festival. Oh, maybe that's what it is. We call those prairie fries here in Saskatchewan. Prairie fries. Prairie, prairie fries. That's what I assumed it was. Prairie oysters. I would, I would, we should message the guy. I would much more appreciate a meatball. Yeah, right there's a shirt. Testicle Festival. This year has been nuts. All right. Community uh, spread these nuts. Is that what it says <laughs> at the bottom? Community spread these Community nuts. Community spread these nuts. <laughs> like, I feel like RGB I'm missing something here. What specifically in the hot f- is is testicle festival? Now I'm getting concerned. We don't know. We don't really. We've never been there. It sounds. But fun. I'm excited to go. It's gonna be nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna invite Quick Dick. Is it yep. is it like a like a prostate health thing or is it like? Uh, oh like, no 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 no! It's it's a steakhouse. Oh, so you're just eating cow nuts? That's what I assume, but we don't I don't know, know for sure. Sign me up. Those things are deadly. We don't have answers, just t-shirts. All right. You know what? I never first, say we'll in a tight spot. Just first we'll head first the we'll, belly and go. We'll first head south to Omaha and try some bull nuts. And then we'll head north and chuck some quarters and bring our magnets. Yeah. Bring your magnets on bring a chain. <laughs> but don't pick any of the currency up on your own or you will get escorted out of the establishment by two very large men. Okay. So we have that in common. See here, yeah. here they usually have uh everyone sits in a wheelie chair and then it's that much easier to just wheel them out. <laughs> you just push no, the chair no. out with the drunk I don't, guy in it. I'm not sure how I know that either. <laughs> and what's next? You're going to tell me everybody's got a catheter too. So they don't have to get up to piss or anything. Everybody's no, just, just a wheelie just, chair with a catheter and you just sit there. It's all good. You're in Sioux Falls. They just let it go. <laughs> Actually, that would explain the smell of that specific building, I guess. But 
I have kind of a funny story along those lines, but we'll save that for when I meet you in person. Yeah, for another time, right? <laughs>